Welcome to the radio ministry of the Bernie Church of Christ with Minister Chris Palmer. Bernie Church of Christ meets for worship each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. You can find Bernie Church of Christ at 1 Upper Balconies Road, right next to Starbucks. Now, with today's message, here's Minister Chris Palmer. I'm going to share briefly uh, uh, some information about a change that is coming up to our uh, Sunday morning assembly beginning next week. And, and I say change, but I, but I really mean, I guess, there's a return. Beginning next Sunday, we are excited to return to practicing the Lord's Supper by passing trays of the bread and the juice. It's been a long time uh, since we've done communion that way, so we might be a little rusty to begin with, uh, so bear with us, and, uh, and I know that we'll get the hang of it. I'm practicing communion in this way by uh, sharing uh, the, the, the how of how we do it is, uh, is very significant, and it's very meaningful to the why. Passing and breaking and sharing highlights the communal nature of this moment and this practice. It's something that we all do together. It's a special time of remembrance and meditation. It is a weekly renewal and proclamation of our faith and our commitment to love one another. Now, this is not so much a resuming of an old tradition, but it's an effort to do everything we can to draw near to Christ and honor Him during this time. I'll also say we are going to continue to have the little uh, uh, sealed individual cups in the foyer just as they are. So if that's an option that you would like to continue to use, they will still be there. Help yourself uh, to using those. But that's something that we're going to begin next week. But you know, it has been a topic of conversations, not just for communion, not just for church, but in many areas and aspects of our life is what elements of our COVID protocols is it okay to let go of and move past. I don't know about you, but I I feel comfortable doing communion this way. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm probably going to be a little bit more picky about which cup I choose, because if you've done communion that way before, you know that sometimes you get a cup that is maybe half full, and you can't tell if it was filled that way to begin with, or if somebody has maybe taken just a little sip of it and put it back. So I'm going to be a little bit more picky probably than I used to be. It's why I like to sit in the front. You have a better chance of getting a fresh one, you know? But we have a lot of those conversations. And I don't know if you're like me, but, but I have a little bit of a weird feeling Because COVID was such a big deal for such a long time, and then it seemed to end very abruptly. Now, don't get me wrong, I feel like it went on for a really long time, but all of a sudden one day, very unceremoniously, I just stopped getting emails from BISD telling me how many infections were in each of our schools it was like uh, one, one day I, when I went to go make uh, hospital visits, all of a sudden I, I just didn't have to wear a mask, even at the hospital, even more. And less and less news stories until finally practically no more stories 
on the news about numbers and vaccines and masks and mandates. It was just like, poof, it just went away one day. But then right on the heels of COVID, something else came. And we were talking about the situation between Ukraine and Russia. And it was a big deal. And it took a lot of our attention. It was big and scary and awful. That was just back in February. But the truth is, we don't, we don't talk about it as much anymore. It's still big. It's still a terrible situation. But our attention has gone somewhere else. And now our attention is on things like gas prices and inflation and a struggling economy. And these are all just the national headlines, right? It's not about like the, the, the personal headlines. What would your personal headlines be right now? Because each and every one of us have our own drama and crises and struggle. And of course, this week, terrible news about what happened in Uvalde. And I don't know if you're like me, but I could really use a break to come up for air. Just a, a, a brief chance to hit pause from all of it, to regain my footing and my focus, to have a moment of peace and confidence. And when we are so overwhelmed by all the mess, it can be so hard to see the beauty and the good and the light. But I truly believe that it's there. Like Ronnie Webb asked us in our class on Wednesday night, wonderful question, it stuck with me all week. He said, what is something that you truly, absolutely believe? And I believe that the beauty is there. You have to have eyes to see it. But when I have eyes to see it, it gives me a great sense of this strange peace. When I lean into that truth, when I live in that peace, I find that I'm a lot less anxious, a lot less angry, or maybe even a lot less apathetic when I'm seeking the goodness. And it's in those moments that I find that I am much better equipped to help, to lean into it and do something about the brokenness of our world. If you have your Bibles, go over to the book of Philippians. That's where we're going to spend our time this morning. The book of Philippians. Philippians is a short but a powerful letter from the Apostle Paul to a church that he loves very deeply, the church at Philippi. And he opens the letter this way. And I want to share with you just a little bit of his opening because I feel like the way that he opens tells us a little something about how Paul feels about the Philippian church and also kind of gives us a tone for what the whole letter is going to kind of sound like. So Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, Paul writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul loves the church in Philippi. He says, 
all of my prayers for all of you are always filled with joy. He is confident in them. He is confident in them and their mission for the kingdom of Jesus. Now, not all of Paul's letters in the New Testament have this same certainty to them. Some of his letters are filled with correction and rebuke and warnings, but not this one. Philippians is special. He says they are his partners. They are his co-workers in the mission and the kingdom of the faith. But that doesn't mean that for Paul and for the Philippians, that everything is rosy and easy. Even though he has this optimistic tone to it, Paul knows, the Philippians know, how great the suffering and the struggle and the persecution is and can be for those who profess Jesus Christ as Lord. And for Paul, because of this, he is struck with a great internal, deep and serious conflict. He's filled with joy, but he's also keenly aware of the struggles that the world produces. And in the face of that great difficulty, he has this choice. Do I retire? Do I step away? Do I resign from this work? Or do I press on? Here's what he says. Verse 21, chapter 1. He says, for me to live is Christ." and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for this is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. He says, I'm stuck. I'm not sure which to choose. It really is kind of a win-win situation if you think about it. On the one hand, if I give in, if I give up, if I succumb to the suffering, maybe even to the point of death, then I get to go be with Jesus. And that's good. But if I endure and if I press on, then I can bear more fruit. I can further spread the light of the gospel. I can make more disciples. Now, he'll go on to say that he is confident that he will endure and press on, not for his own sake, but for the sake of the Philippians, that he can still be helpful to them. But how easy is it to go the other way? Now, it's great. Paul still sees potential, and he still sees possibility and opportunity, but how easy is it in the face of hardship to give up, to surrender to the narrative of darkness, to roll your eyes, throw your hands up, and say, whatever. This is the way the world is. What can I do about it? We walk away. But you and I both know from all the times that we've done that in our own lives that that just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like peace. It doesn't feel like resolution. It doesn't feel healthy. And even Paul says here, he says, going to be with Jesus is far better, verses 23 and 24. That's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary. There's still unfinished work. There's still something I can do. 
that I need to keep trying. And my prayer for myself and for all of us is if, it, if, if there is something in your life, something good and godly that God has put into your life, that you're at that point where I think I'm ready to just throw my hands up and say, whatever. My prayer is that God would give you the strength to keep trying. I may take eyes to see it. But I think the good stuff, the potential, and the reason for hope is all around us. And I don't want to skim past too quickly what Paul says here, because it really is crazy. He says that it is more necessary for him to suffer and struggle and strive for the sake of the gospel than to go to heaven. How does somebody get to that point to say with conviction that heaven can wait, but I still have work of the kingdom to do here? With all the bad stuff going on in Paul's world and in Paul's life, he can say, you know what, I think I, I, think I can keep going. I think I can keep trying. There has to be some weird, otherworldly, divine peace that's in his life protecting him from despair and absolute resignation because Paul is just a man. Paul is just a man, and so there has to be something more. Here's what he says. Chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness, or some versions will say your gentleness, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You're listening to the radio ministry of the Bernie Church of Christ. The Bernie Church of Christ is located at 1 Upper Balconies Road, right next to Starbucks. You can join the Bernie Church of Christ for online or in-person worship each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Now, with the rest of today's message, here's Minister Chris Palmer. You hear what he says? He says, rejoice. Be gentle. Be thankful. Be prayerful. You do not have to be anxious. You don't have to be scared because the Lord is at hand. God is near. And even when it doesn't make any sense, when it surpasses all understanding, he says there is peace available. This peace that is protective, protective of both heart and mind. It protects us from cynicism and hopelessness and temptation and deception and surrender to darkness. And I look at this passage and, and, it, and it blows my mind. And I wonder, what is it that Paul has that he can write and believe and live into these things? And I look at it and I think this is what it is. Paul has a very real and personal relationship with his God through Jesus Christ. Paul knows that God is near. Paul knows that God is listening. Paul knows that God is powerful. God knows, or Paul knows that God is helpful. He knows that he has reason to rejoice because he knows God. And God knows him. 
And that's great for Paul. But how do I do it? How do I have that same peace that passes all understanding in the face of so much darkness around us? He continues, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, we can read through this real quick, and on the surface, it may seem like, well, this is a nice list of things to think and things to do, and if you pull them all off, then everything's going to be great, and, and, and that may seem a little too good to be true, and, and it probably is, because this list, it's, it's more than just a list. There is depth to each and every one of these points in these verses. Each one of these points is challenging and requires a degree of discipline and faith, but it builds that personal, real relationship that Paul has with God in a special way. And it doesn't deny, <clears throat> it doesn't deny the darkness that's around us, but it better equips us to walk through it and live through it. So let's take the first one. Paul says, whatever is true, think about these things, true things. Now, if we're honest, we know that it is very hard to tell sometimes what is true and what is not. If I turn on the news or scroll through the news, I can see the same story interpreted in vastly different ways, depending on where I'm looking. I can read a variety of books that will give me a variety of explanations just for the book of Philippians. I don't even know what the weather's going to be like tomorrow because there's a variety of different models that show you different things that's going to happen. I don't even know what I think about a lot of things because my thoughts and my emotions often contradict one another. And I'm left with that question, what is true? What is truth? And this is a question that our world, our culture and times wrestles with a lot and usually comes up with answers that are very relativistic, very individually focused. You be the author of your own truth. What is your truth? And I got to say, I think that's a very dangerous way to think because I know me and I know how imperfect I am and I'm probably not a very good author of truth. The truth that I author is usually very self-serving and self-satisfying and self-glorifying. I am often the hero of my own truth. And if I'm the hero, then what do I need God for? So what does Paul mean when he writes, think on true things, whatever is true? <clears throat> I'll explain it this way. A couple years ago, uh, it was a couple summers ago, our youngest son, our younger son, Graham, was learning how to swim. And he's a great swimmer now, fantastic swimmer. But he was learning how to swim, and he was in that scary in-between phase 
where he's a pretty good swimmer, but you want to see how he does without the, uh, the arm floaties. And, you know, he's pretty good, but every once in a while, he sinks like a rock. And you want to try it out, see how he does, and teach him how to swim without the arm things. So there we are. Like I said, this is a couple years ago. He's a great swimmer now. But there we are at our neighborhood pool, and um, he doesn't want to wear the arm floaties. I'm not so sure. He's doing good, but he's not exactly a pro at being buoyant yet. And so I try to change his mind. I say, no, 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 maybe, maybe you need to leave him on. But it's not working. He's not having it. He pulls off the floaties. And there I am standing in the deep end. It's not very deep. I can stand. So I'm standing there, and he boldly, bravely jumps off the side and out to me. No floaties. And he's kicking, and he's struggling, and he's fighting, and he's making little bitty progress along the way until he finally gets to me and can reach out and grabs, grabs my arms. I pull him to me. I lift him up. He gasps for air, and he says, you be my floaty. You be my floaty. And I loved that. And I would stand there, and he would go out, and when he needed air, he would come back to me, grab on, and get what he needed. He named me his floaty. I think what he meant was anchor. You be my anchor. A fixed point of certainty, stability, and security. And I hope that I have that much faithfulness my relationship with my Heavenly Father. I can so easily find myself drowning in a sea of deception and self-deception. I cannot, I am not very good at discerning between truth and lie. But there are a few truths, a few core truths that serve as my anchor. Truths about my God and truths from my God, fixed points that do not move, that are certain, they are stable, and they are secure. And when my mind is confused with all the voices of the world around me, I can listen for those few truths. And when I hear them, my faith grows. And that real relationship with God starts to deepen. Because then he and I have shared an experience together where he kept me from drowning. And he kept me afloat. And so now I know that I can better trust him much more than I can trust myself. And that gives me a weird peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding when we cling to the anchor. And he knows, or we know, that he can handle it but it has to be a conscious choice. We have to consciously choose to think about his truth, think about these things. And that means that you have to be familiar enough to recognize his words when you hear him and when you see him, which means we have to be familiar enough with his word in scripture. It's our greatest source of truth. And it creates a foundation of that relationship with him. We know the words of scripture when we see that the words of Scripture so perfectly explain the experience of life that we're going through. And again, it makes our faith grow. When our faith grows, that relationship grows. And as that relationship grows stronger, I truly believe that it changes 
how we see the world and how we see life. Do we still see all the brokenness around us? Absolutely. In fact, God's word better helps us identify the broken things in the world around us. But when I'm holding on to my anchor, then maybe those broken things are not quite so scary and not so overwhelming. And I'm better equipped to help and to do something about it because I know that my God is a redeemer. I know that he is a rescuer. And I know that he is a deliverer. And that that is absolute truth. And I can return to that anchor. And I can look at the world through that lens. And I can think about these things. And encourage all of us, take some time this week. As Alan said beautifully, maybe just get out a post-it note and jot down some of those core truths, maybe some things that you're thankful for, truths about God that you see in Scripture, that you've experienced, that you've seen in life, fixed points that you can cling to when things get scary. And I invite you to join us next week. And we'll go down to Paul's next point on the list, whatever is honorable. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the radio ministry of the Bernie Church of Christ. You can join the Bernie Church of Christ here on Bernie Radio each Sunday at 11 a.m. or for worship online or in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To learn more about the Bernie Church of Christ, please visit BernieChurchOfChrist.org or call 830-249-2685. That is 830-249-2685. Thank you once again for listening to the Bernie Church of Christ. Thank you.